We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Victory Monday here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jacksonville wins. The Bengals win. Do you win? Let's talk about that and a whole lot more here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. It is indeed Victory Monday. Feeling pretty good right now. Trevor Lawrence looking good. Joe Burrow looking good. Bengals and, and Jaguars both win. It's a good day. How are we doing, Nick? Doing great. We're doing great. How could I not be after that Jaguars game-winning drive? Uh, just such an un-Jaguars way to end that game. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I will say, we got to jump right to the end. I don't know if I wanted the Jags to go for two there. I, I felt like the way they were moving the ball, you know, they had just gotten a, a big stop, forced a turnover uh, on the Ravens. I, I felt like you're at home, take this thing to overtime. I, I kind of like your chances there. Uh, but it, to me, it was one of those like, no, 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 no. Okay, fine. Great. Great decision by Doug Peterson. Right, right. Uh, to go for two uh, and finish that game off. But man, I, I you know, I've, I've been saying all year long, I want to see back-to-back good games from Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I think the Jaguars making the playoffs. Yeah, and mathematically, I, I guess they're still technically alive, but that ship probably sailed a few weeks ago. You know, the rest of the season to me is about Trevor Lawrence proving that he's that guy. And, you know, he's nowhere near Zach Wilson territory where he could play his way out of this job by the end of the year. I, I think he has uh, just such a higher floor uh, than a player like Wilson. But, you know, I was starting to doubt whether or not this guy had a future as a truly elite quarterback uh, in the NFL. And look, these last three weeks have been, I think, bar none, the three best games of his career. And to string those games together in a row, uh, that to me has been really encouraging. And honestly, what we right. saw yesterday, this was probably the crowning achievement of his career so far. So uh, again, this is going to be somewhat of a lost season for the Jags. You know, maybe they're, they're probably going to win one or two too many games to prevent them uh, from, from getting a high draft pick. But um, you know, if Trevor Lawrence finishes out this season strong, you know, if he plays like he did on Sunday, 80% of the way uh, the rest of this season, I'll be happy. I, I think that coming into this season, that was the number one goal for this Jags franchise was, all right, we kind of had to throw out Lawrence's rookie year. The Urban Meyer situation threw everything off to a degree that we couldn't even evaluate him. But the number one goal is we need to come out of this season knowing what Trevor Lawrence is. And right, I'm not saying he's developing into a star, but man, he's taking the right steps. He sure is. And I think it's important to establish a winning culture. I think yes. that that's more important sometimes than the higher draft pick. You're not, you're not looking for a quarterback in this draft. So that helps a little bit. 
Um, yeah, there, there's still a lot of other amazing talent, but there are so many bad teams this year. It's tough to one up them. I mean, I, 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 I think it's fine. I mean, they're three and three at home too, by the way. I mean, they know how to protect yeah. their home turf. They got to go out and win on the road. They had that one win against the chargers, which is going to end up looking pretty weird. I think at the end of the year, cause the Chargers, I think are going to end up looking pretty good. Yeah. Um, not just that they won, but just how they won. Uh, but the fact is they're capable of that. Uh, you know, they did this without any Travis Etienne, essentially. He had two carries, limped off, and, you know, that they did this, and, you know, Christian Kirk got hurt a little bit in that game, yep. came back in, was fine later on, but uh, he only went four for 46. It was the Zay Jones show. It was the Jamichael Hasty show. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, there's a lot to be encouraged by, yeah. You know, forget the high draft pick. You know, it's to go go get those wins. Players, players play, coaches coach. Mm-hmm. Let the front office and ownership worry about tanking. Yeah, you mentioned that Chargers game. I mean, that's probably going to be their biggest win of the season. I mean, they won that game by four scores. Uh, and of course, that was right after Justin Herbert was banged up. So I, I don't know that you're getting, uh, you know, that that full Chargers team uh, all the way back in week three. But nonetheless, I mean, I, I think they're going to be looking back and saying, we lost to the Texans and the Colts in back-to-back weeks. We also lost to the Broncos. Uh, I mean, those are those are egregious losses in retrospect. You win even yeah. one of those games. I, I think you start talking yourself into some playoff scenarios here. Uh, I was guilty of pulling up the uh, the old playoff simulator last night, looking at the in the hunt graphic. Um, you know, again, chances are yeah. uh, the Jags are not going to work their way into this. But, you know, they're at Detroit next week. That should be a winnable game. They do still have to play the Titans again. You don't feel good about that. They get the Cowboys. They get the Jets. Uh, but they do have another game against Houston. Uh, like you said, though, I, I think there is – there is something, especially when you have seemingly your franchise quarterback in place, there is something to establishing a winning culture. You know, it's like, yeah, it'd be great to draft number three overall, but you're not hunting for that quarterback anymore. So I think you still feel pretty good uh, whether you're drafting third or eighth or 14th, like you're still going to add some value there. There's not this pressure to get the first or second overall pick to land that quarterback. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that's, that, 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 that's encouraging. Okay. So, does Lawrence take the leap next year that he is a top 10 quarterback, top seven or eight guy that you're starting every week? I think he's on that trajectory right now. Yeah. It, it depends how he, how he finishes this season. Um, you know, I'm looking right now just at, at the very basic, you know, quarterback fantasy rankings and look, is he going to be better than Mahomes, Allen, Hertz, Burrow, Lamar? Probably not. You know, I, I don't know if that's really attainable in terms of fantasy production. So that's five right there. So you're, the guys you're comparing him to, you know, can he be better than Justin Herbert? Uh, again, probably not. So to me, he's somewhere in that 7 to 12 range. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think he's he's likely a lower end starter. Uh, I think he's somebody that you're probably drafting with the same, you know, kind of the same regard that we took like Tua or Stafford this year. Uh, you know, guys who are like, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to pay up at quarterback. Like you're not drafting Trevor Lawrence in the fourth round and saying he's going to take this huge leap and be the second or third quarterback in fantasy. I don't think he has that kind of ceiling. But I think if you're taking the weight on quarterback approach, um, I, I think he's somebody that could absolutely be a lower end every week starter. You're probably still going to want to have somebody behind him for insurance purposes. I, I don't think he's someone that you just set and forget at quarterback, but yeah, the Lords that we're seeing, man, these last three weeks, it is night and day in terms of accuracy, night and day in terms of decision-making. Uh, I mean, th- just the number of throws he had in the fourth quarter alone uh, against Baltimore yesterday. I mean, this was, this was the the guy that we were sold coming out of Clemson. So you could tell, I mean, where I am now versus where I was a month ago in terms of enthusiasm right. when talking about Trevor Lawrence, um, I, I've done a complete 180. And it's interesting. I mean, both Lawrence and Justin Fields, you know, seem to be kind of following this the same type of trajectory 
Although, of course, we did not see Justin Fields on the field uh, in that game yesterday against the Jets. But just to wrap up Ravens-Jags, uh, bizarre fantasy game, as you noted. You know, Not a huge game for Mark Andrews, not a huge game for Christian Kirk. ETN goes out early. Uh, I mean, he went back to the locker room. I was starting to get nervous. Obviously, he missed all of last season with a foot injury. Turns out it wasn't all that serious. Doug Peterson said he was technically cleared to come back into the game. They just right. didn't want to risk it. So that led to a lot of Jermichael Hasty. We, we got a Snoop Connor sighting at times uh, in this game. But uh, other than Lamar doing Lamar things for Baltimore, uh, you know, Josh Oliver gets the touchdown through the air. Deshaun know, Jackson right? had a long reception uh, late in this game. And then Zay Jones, 11 for 145. Did not Unguardable. Have now, but yeah, Unguardable Zay Jones. Big play after big play after big play for Zay Jones. And yeah, he's, he's been a kind of a favorite target uh, of Lawrence throughout this year. I mean, it hasn't always equated to fantasy value, but man, what, what a win for the Jags. And I, I think the bigger question long-term as it pertains to, to this season, because the Jags are not going to be in it. Does this make you feel any worse about the Ravens? I mean, they've just, they've just been such a roller coaster. Like just when it seems like they're figuring things out, they're peaking at the right time. They have this letdown game. They didn't look good against Carolina last week either. And we no. could, we wrote it off due to the weather and Lamar feeling right. ill. You know, Lamar was dealing with a hip this week in practice. Something to watch for there too. Um, yeah, I mean, th- they are doing the opposite of peaking. We thought going into their bye, they had that big stomping win over New Orleans on the Monday night game. And you're like, all right, it's all setting yeah. up. Everything's turning up Ravens here. Their schedule's nicer than the Bengals and all that. Um, and no, it's not, you know, I've uh, come away disappointed. Even when they win last week, you're like, yeah, they barely squeaked that out. If it wasn't for Baker Mayfield, they might not have. But uh, yeah, um, and one other thing about the Jaguars is, hey, pretty prescient for them to add Daryl Henderson for free. Uh, you know, this even if you don't need him, if there's right. talent out there, you grab it. Yeah, I, I love that move. It came last week, you know, after uh, after we did the pod and uh, you know, didn't really get to discuss it on the XM show either. But yeah, I, I think you framed that well. It's just a there's talent there. We're going to grab talent. And, you know, the Jags have their their long-term back in place in ETN. But I think if you could basically go get someone for free and, and give him a, you know, five, six-game tryout at the end of the year, see if you want to bring him back, likely on the cheap next year. Totally okay with that. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this game, by the way, terrified at that Justin Tucker attempt. I think it was, what, 67 it looked, yards? It looked like he was going to make it, too. I thought I thought it was good from 85 off the foot. I mean, it was right down the middle, and, and thankfully, uh, you know, that heavy air down in Jacksonville, I think, knocked it down. It fell about <laughs> fell about five feet short, but, man, I, I mean... I don't that would have been the Jackson most Jaguars finish ever, right? Oh, I mean... I, yeah, right. Well, they, they gift them great field position, and, I mean, you shouldn't even get a look off like that, uh, you know, especially with Justin Tucker of all guys, like you need to kick that deep. You got to do whatever you can to not give them the ball at the 40 yard line uh, and give Justin Tucker what I thought was a makeable look. So, um, you know, it, it's never easy with the Jags. That That's always how it goes. You know, you, you think you got it one on the two point conversion. Of course they, they find a way uh, right. to give Tucker an attempt, but man, what a game. Gus Edwards was the, you know, the feature back, although Lamar actually had, you know, the more yards running, but Edwards also lost a fumble. Lamar lost a fumble yeah. in this one too. There, there was just these mistakes that they made. Um, Kenyon Drake is no, he's almost droppable now. It's just the problem is Gus Edwards can be hurt for a game because that's what he does. And all of a sudden Drake's in a good spot, but mm-hmm. it's, there's no, it's week 13. It's not stashing season anymore either. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Ravens get the free square game next week. They get, get the host of Broncos. Uh, whereas Ooh. the Jaguars are at Detroit fun game offensively, possibly there. Oh, big time, a huge, big cat battle, 
for for the big cat round robin this year. Uh, that that should actually be a really really fun game, uh, but between two teams that are in very similar positions in their respective conferences. And yep. yeah, we'll we'll get to Denver. My goodness, man, uh, that that situation just continues to devolve. And I think maybe other than the Texans, that's that's probably the number one team you want to play right now. So you know, like you said, we we did see kind of a mini letdown by Baltimore last week uh, against Carolina, but. Uh, got to think you're in a pretty good spot at home against the Denver Broncos. And then after that, uh, you got three of your final four in the division at the Steelers, or excuse me, four of your final five, I believe Steelers, Browns, Falcons, Steelers, Bengals to finish out for the Ravens Yep, at Cincinnati to finish the season. So that could be uh, pretty wild uh, there to see if that happens there. All right. Happy fun vibes. Continue Bengals go to Tennessee and out physical the Titans. Even the Titans acknowledged that after the game. They held Derrick Henry to 38 rushing yards and 17 attempts. They ran for over 100 yards themselves, something that no team has done the last seven weeks. Uh, they, they only Joe Burrow only got sacked once, was rarely touched. He didn't have a massive game, 22 for three, 37 for 270 yards and a touchdown, but there, were no, there weren't those huge negative plays, unlike the playoff game last year. Nine carries for 32 yards. Samaj P. Ryan had some good tough runs. Travion Williams even kicked in. T. Higgins just bossed over there on the right side in single coverage. They found something that worked. But for the uh, the way the game was ending out, they might have put up more points on the board. They actually pulled points off the board thanks to the way the bizarre finish of the game of that uh, personal foul penalty attacking the defenseless long snapper. Yeah. Uh, a vicious play. Yeah. Uh, it's a good rule, and it was it was the right call. But it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a weird way to end a game for sure. Yeah, it looked like the Titans were going to have another chance uh, you know, to, to go down and, and try to tie this game. Would have been a seven-point game uh, yeah. with the McPherson field goal. And, you know, it, like you said, it's the right call. It's one that you never like to see given that situation. But it is what it is. And the bigger issue for me was you know, Tennessee had multiple chances to end that final drive. Um, you know, I mean, the Bengals put together a 12-play uh, over six-minute drive. Uh, yep. to kill most of the clock at the end. You know, Tennessee, somewhat of a controversial decision with about six minutes left. They take the points, cut the lead. Uh, they were down 20 to 13. Uh, they they trimmed the lead down to four. Uh, you yep. know, I think in retrospect, it's easy to say, well, you should have gone for it. They had a fourth and five at about the Cincinnati 20. Uh, obviously, you'd prefer the touchdown, but enough time, I think, where it's justifiable to take the points um, and, and kind of play the field position game and hope you get it back. I think Tennessee was right to trust their defense, and they just couldn't get off the field. They could not get off the field. Uh, Cincinnati didn't even face a third down until the end of that drive. Um, you know, Joe Burrow, really, really effective in the short passing game. You mentioned only one sack on the day. That was clearly a point of emphasis was if you're dropping back, you're getting that ball out really quickly. Uh, you know, I, I think a, a huge spot for Cincinnati to, to pull this off. You know, we, we thought Jamar Chase would be back. Turns out he wasn't. Obviously, Joe Mixon not involved in this game. And once again, I, I think T. Higgins is making a pretty strong case that he is the pretty clearly number one number two receiver in the league, if that makes sense. I mean, right. that he's guy, a one B he's not he, a one. He's not a two. He's a one. He's B. a number one for half the league. And yep. he's only, he's only a number two in Cincy because Jamar chase is there uh, when he's healthy, but he was fantastic in this one, seven for one fourteen, and the touchdown Hayden Hurst had a couple huge grabs. Uh, and, and once again, I thought Cincinnati did a really, really good job stacking up Derrick Henry 17 for 38 uh, goes Derrick Henry on the ground. Did have one long play. Uh, where he you know, should have had a touchdown, fumbled it inside the five-yard line that Traylon Burks ends up jumping on it anyway uh, for a touchdown. But uh, fantastic job by the Cincinnati defense to, to win this game without, what, two of your four best players on offense? 
Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, very satisfying. And they, they went undefeated in the month of November. They're seven and four. They're tied with the Ravens. Now schedule doesn't get any easier. They face the mm -hmm. chiefs next week. They still got games against the bills. They've got that. You mentioned the game against the Ravens. They've got a game against the Pats. They've got a game at Tampa Bay later on. They've got their own issues. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, basking in victory today. Uh, this was a very satisfying win. Um, and you know, it's a hard schedule, but other teams have to look at that schedule and say they have to play the Bengals. So uh, this is the Bengals found something there, and one of the one of the guys they found was uh, their second round pick, Cam Taylor Britt, uh, with the Wuzier out for the season, their best cover corner. Taylor Britt has really stepped up. He's the guy that stripped Derrick Henry on that long play. He had eight tackles. He had twelve the week before. It's not it's he uh, that's getting all the uh, work. Not their first round pick, Dax Hill. Uh, Dax Hill doesn't see the field that much. Taylor Britt, though, on the other hand, he's the guy that, that's getting all these reps and looking good. Eli Apple actually had a good game. They got DJ Reader back in the middle. I can't tell you how nice that is to have. He is so good. Uh, so that that, that 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 was a really stout defensive effort there. Every single – like 12 different players tackled Derrick Henry yesterday. It was pretty wild to see that, um, including Mike Hinton with his big hit. Little, little Mike Hinton uh, it just lit, lit him up. So – you know, very satisfying win. I mean, the Bengals tried to give it away early. Uh, they had sure a lot of penalties. T. Higgins had a drop that was really bad, but they didn't have the turnovers. They didn't have the killer plays. They did have. They did scuttle a lot of drives. Special teams, like three punt returns in a row, they got they got penalized. It was it was wild. They were kept on starting inside their own ten. Uh, but you know, all in all, all's well that ends well. It was a very good game. Very happy. Yeah, five straight punts to begin this game by both teams. It was a yep. bit of a sluggish start. It, it kind of felt like, you know, two boxers circling each other, kind of teams feeling each other out, not wanting to be too aggressive early on. Uh, but it, it, this was really, really impressive by Cincinnati to, to go and do this on the road. You know, this is second week in a row. We were talking about Tennessee being overvalued. They go to green Bay and get the win, come back home. And, and Cincinnati, man, Joe Burrow is just, this is not news to you, Jeff, but just unbelievably steady. I mean, it's, yes, it is crazy for, for a guy his age, the, the amount of confidence that you have in him. It, it really is Tom Brady-esque. And, and look, you know, it's like comparing someone to LeBron or Jordan. Like you're not, not saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but the, the, the kind of quiet confidence that Joe Burrow inspires in these types of situations, that there's really not another young player uh, in the league with that. Uh, Trenton Irwin, by the way, huge catch in this game yes. for the Cincinnati oh, Bengals. Stepping artist. up with no Jamar Chase. Mm -hmm. so you, you know, didn't, it was really the only thing he did all day. Played 52 snaps. He was very clearly their number three receiver. Obviously, once Chase is back, which we expect will be next week, Trent Irwin probably drops off, but uh, essentially played just as many snaps as Tyler Boyd in this game. And I believe they reviewed the, the play that was ultimately ruled a catch, and that was a huge one. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is it was transparently a catch. One one cheek mm -hmm. equals two feet, as they say. Um, and he, did, he got his butt cheeks down on the field with plenty of room to spare. Next play was the go-ahead touchdown to Higgins. They ran the same Roger McCready, a uh, young, young kid at Auburn, no, it was dinged at the combine for having short arms. Uh, and they put him out on the Island two plays in a row. And that worked out pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Very, very good. Good times there. So Bengals host uh, Kansas city next week. Titans have to go to Philly. So, uh, you know, Titans are going to be fine. They're going to win their division. They're going to have a home playoff game. And then we'll see after that. Yeah. Perks of playing in the AFC South. I'll tell you that, but uh, I mean, Chiefs Bengals in almost any other scenario, that's easily the game of the week, especially with this being in Cincinnati. You know, I, I think most people would still say the Chiefs are the better team, but you know, this game being on the road that standardizes things a little bit. But we yeah. got Dolphins Niners 
next week as well. I mean, that, that's a potential game of the year. They got an early window, late window. Oh, they're both in the late window. Actually. Both in the late window. Yeah. Wow. Would, uh, would not mind one of those getting flexed, but I, I don't yeah, think we're going right? to see that. I think it's too late to declare flexes. Yep. I think uh, so too. So, yeah. All right. Uh, let's, before we uh, go on to our next set of games, we, we took care of victory Monday. Let's go ahead and take care of a note from our title sponsor. No, no house advantage. No house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pick em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE, that's N-H-A-W-I-R-E, at nohouseadvantage.com, or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined, because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Big thanks to No House Advantage for their season-long sponsorship with us. Uh, we alluded to it. Let's just rip off the bandaid as we like to say, and talk about the Denver Broncos and Carolina Panthers, because why not? Mm, man, this, we knew this would be ugly. Uh, 33 points is more than I thought would be scored in this game. I'll tell you that, uh, it, you know, did still hit the under, I think this one closed around 36, which is the lowest total of the year, but mm-hmm. man, I mean, Denver, uh, th- this was, we've how many times have we said, this feels like rock bottom for the Denver Broncos. And it just, it continues to get worse and worse and worse with each passing week. I mean, we, we saw the the dissension kind of spill over with Russell Wilson getting into it with one of the Broncos defenders, uh, you know, downplayed it after the game, as you'd expect from Russell Wilson. But the reality is that the Broncos have lost seven out of eight games. They are completely directionless. This is far and away the worst offense in the league. They they seem to have no plan uh, they, with, with each passing game. They, they are losing faith in their quarterback, even the way that they're handling him, you know, late in this game, they, they, they recovered a muff punt. Uh, we're unable to really capitalize on that. Uh, you yep. know, they, they get a late possession on a, a onside kick. They go four and out. Uh, the game was over at that point. But you just, even in these kind of scramble situations where the other team is, is essentially knows it's going to win, normally you'll see a team be able to tack on a score. Like, no matter the context, this Broncos offense cannot move the ball. And, you know, they, they kind of got Latavius Murray going in this game. I mean, over half his yardage came on one long run. Uh, so the 92 yards on 13 carries, maybe a little bit deceptive, but I, I, I don't know where Denver goes from here. I mean, if you, if you were on Twitter yesterday afternoon, all you're seeing is breakdowns of how much money they owe Russell Wilson yeah. over the next four years. And it's just, it's, it's one of those things where like, yeah, you know, I, I think the obvious move is you bring in a new head coach. You hope that that magically changes everything, but it's just not realistic. Like, I, I don't know what the way out is here. Yep. There's a guy on uh, Twitter uh, every week that, uh, or maybe it's on TikTok that does, Bathrooms in Russell Wilson's house versus number of touchdown passes thrown and bathrooms are still ahead. He did throw one. Yeah. He got one. Yay. But uh, there was, there was two other things, two things that, you know, just stood out to me. One, they had a delay a game on a fourth and goal that that's hard to do. Um, he got bailed out because there's a roughing in the passer penalty after that, but they are you know, two. They, there was a sequence where Cortland Sutton scored. Nope. Wasn't a touchdown. Uh Hey, okay, well, fine. Greg Dolchich, we started him in some leagues. He scored. Nope. Penalty. Another play. Touchdown. Nope. Wasn't a catch. 
Finally, of course, Brandon Johnson gets the touchdown. Yes. Like it took like nine plays to get this score in. And this is just to get it to 10 points. And you're just like, whatever. I mean, it's just, you know, he averaged 4.1 yards per attempt. It's crazy. It's just, you know, Cortland Sutton got some targets. He got eight targets, six for 75. Okay. That's fine, I guess. But uh, man, what a disaster. No, you said it. I mean, even even the drives where they do score touchdowns. I mean, their their touchdown drive was 14 plays to go 77 yards, and you're like, okay, that's you know, that's good. You're you're, you're chewing up clock. It's like, no, you're down 23 to three at that point. Like, you can't be having a 14 play six minute touchdown drive when you need points. Like, it's shades just, of Atlanta, Cincinnati. Remember that, right? It's yeah. just grinding to a halt. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, it, it's painful to watch, really, and like it, it's almost. It's almost cringy, you know. Like it's it's amazing that it took this long for anybody to get in Russell Wilson's face. You know, with, with yeah. the, I wouldn't say he hasn't been accountable, but I don't think he's been quite as accountable as you would like. That's for sure. I mean, he's just still kind of just kind of reiterating his his normal points that seem to always just be on replay in his brain. Like he's just kind of saying saying whatever the cliche thing is at the podium. You'd like to see a little bit more ownership, a little bit more acknowledgement of, hey, I, I may borderline hall of fame level quarterback we're not supposed to be having seasons where the offense is by far the worst in the league like you know there are other veteran quarterbacks who've struggled this year this is not an Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay like at least with Rodgers you could say maybe he's, he's, he's slipped a little bit some of the accuracy issues obviously the thumb plays into that like Russell yeah. Wilson looks like a completely different player uh than he was two years ago like I, I don't 100%. know what's going on it, it's I don't know like what if you're the Broncos I mean do you obviously this is going, I think this is on track to go down as one of the worst trades in North American sports history, which is a, a big statement to make, but it is, it, it, it's hard to think of something that's been this disastrous. I mean, you, you really have no choice, but to ride it out. And I mean, right. are, do you do you, other than switching up the coaching staff? Is there really any path out or is just, just who the Broncos are for at least the next couple of years before you start to think about just, you know, cutting bait with Russell Wilson and eating that money. So we cut bait with the coaches first. Uh, because yep. they they don't they're not tied to the salary cap, but and you maybe see if a different coach reaches him, maybe that's the maybe that's a big part of it there. Maybe that, that happens. I want to see him being angry though. I just want him like to be like throw things, be angry, right? Do something about it. I don't know, but it, it's frustrating. Meanwhile, it's the malaise is spilling over to the defense. I mean, they they would not have won the 18 points in regulation challenge this time. <laughs> um, they gave up 23. Sam Darnold zero sacks. They allowed him to throw eight, 8.6 yards per attempt. Deonta Foreman went for 113, 4.7 yards per carry. Chuba Hubbard went for another 65. I mean, yeah, I, I can see they're probably like on the field a bunch. They're, and I, I got to imagine they're just, it's just devastating every week to see this. So you saw the defensive tackle snap at Wilson, uh, yeah. which, hey, maybe snap him out of it a little bit there. DJ Moore didn't seem cowed by Patrick Sertan. Uh, I I know I got to rewatch to make sure all those uh, big plays were against Sertan, but he went four for one Oh three and a touchdown had the 52 yarder. I mean, this was a pretty impressive performance. Yeah, it really was. And you know, if you dig into some of the numbers on Carolina, it's like it, it wasn't like they, they came in here and steamrolled the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos basically handed this game to Carolina, like, you know, Panthers are two of 12 on third down, um, you know, Sam Darnold played well enough, you know, made, made a couple of deep throws Had the, on that long one to DJ Moore. Uh, you've probably seen the highlight by now. He kind of held up the follow through almost like a, like a Steph Curry yeah. uh, three point. Like he knew it right away that he had thrown a perfect ball. Uh, did seem to reinvigorate DJ Moore a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, Carolina almost had 200 rushing yards as a team, but wasn't an overly efficient day for, for guys like Chuba Hubbard. And, you know, they were basically like watching the end of this game, 
they were just running those guys right into the middle of the line over and over and over. So it's yeah. not like you're necessarily looking for gash plays uh, at that point. But this Denver team, if they go down more than a touchdown, the game's virtually over, right? Yes. I mean, they are not they are That's not right. able to come back to, from, from a two-score deficit. They can come back from a one-score deficit. We've seen that against Jacksonville in London. But, you know, as soon as Carolina went up 17-3 to on the second drive of the second half, this game was over. At, at no point did I consider that Denver could climb back into it. Right, right. I, I agree. I agree. And uh, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable to watch just how, how bad uh, they, they can play. It's just, it, it's really remarkable. Carolina's off next week. We mentioned Der- Denver at Baltimore. Before we move on to the next game, all of our uh, podcasts are uh, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. Thus, we play their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, thank you for your indulgence. Thanks to Blue Wire Network for hosting us. Let's move on. Uh, let's let's talk a little uh, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, and Tampa Bay. You know, Denver. The Denver Carolina game reminded me of the Tampa Bay Carolina game. You know, where it's just yeah, they're just hopeless. You could you, you just didn't see a path to a comeback for them. Tampa Bay. They they had this game in hand, and then they decide oh, do not want. I mean, this game was fun for a while. Ten seven after a quarter. Yeah. It was ten ten at half. Uh, they, they, the second half, the Bucks scored one touchdown, and they they lost Tristan Wirfs. It looks like they're going to lose him for a while, um, and they walk out of here with a loss. There's, they still lead the division because they're happen to be in the uh, the NFC South. They're five and six, and they're in first place. But I mean, 
Carolina's a game and a half out. Atlanta's a game behind them. It's it's this weird, weird setup here. It really is. And it, it just it feels like everybody's just waiting for Tampa Bay to grab hold of this division. And like you said, they had so many opportunities to close out this game and just could not do it. You know, they, they went up 17 to 10 uh, midway through the third quarter, punted on their next four drives, uh, allowed that late touchdown to tie it up, had a chance at the end. Once again, could not move the ball, could not get into field goal range, punted twice in overtime. I mean, really didn't. Yeah, even that's hard to do. And just, and just handed the Browns the game. I mean, and it's not like they, you know, they went for it on a fourth down and Cleveland took over at the 40. I mean, they allowed a 70 yard drive, uh, you know, punctuated by a bunch of big running plays. Like the Tampa Bay run defense did not show up in this game. You know, Nick Chubb, 26 for 116, uh, you know, let up a long rushing touchdown to Anthony Schwartz on a reverse. Uh, you know, Jacoby yeah. Brissett, I didn't even think played all that well, uh, other than leading, you know, a, a big opening drive. It feels like Cleveland comes out and scores on the first drive every game. And then from then on, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, a bit of a struggle session, but Tampa Bay, man, we, the, the big question coming in was, we talked about this all week on XM. Did they discover anything offensively against Seattle in Germany? You know, that, that was a completely different Tampa Bay offense that we had seen all year. Everything indicated that maybe that was the outlier. Uh, but a lot of people, I think, thought they had turned the corner. Turns out they had not, in fact, turned the corner. And the second half of this game, it was back to the first eight weeks of the season for the it Bucks, was. where it's Tom Brady yeah. just dropping back, just throwing up basically just kind of close your eyes and hope throw it up there hopefully Mike Evans comes down with it if not we're going three and out and we're punting I mean completely abandon the run in the second half um it's just short passes you know two three yards at a time and that's really all this Tampa Bay offense had to offer so uh to me I, I kind of it's, it's it's looking like that Seattle game a couple weeks ago that again that was the outlier and you know I, I think this is this is the team that they've been all year it really is Agreed. Uh, Nick, Rashad White was doing was running great. You know, four point six yards per carry, fourteen for sixty four. He played a five quarter game and he got fourteen carries. Yeah. I mean, why? Uh, he did have nine catches, so and nine catches on nine targets, so a lot of dump offs went to him. Mike Evans, nine targets, only two catches, two for thirty one. I mean, they got to unlock him. I mean, you know, Godwin had a good game. 12 for 110 and the touchdown, 13 targets. They just couldn't connect with Evans. Uh, and that that maybe it was just, you know, Denzel Ward. We got to give credit where credit's due yeah. to Denzel Ward. They were playing with that. You know, the Browns were playing without Greg Newsom in this game, too. So, I mean, you got to like, you got to tip your hat on that. Uh, but you know, just a pretty, uh, pretty disappointing appearance. I, I mean, White looked good. I mean, I can't blame White. I mean, you could say they missed Leonard Fournette just maybe to have two of them. Um, yeah. And they just, went away from him. It's just, they had that 35 yard run early and they just didn't use him. Like Matt Leahy says here, you know, he went, you know, 50 yards in his first two to three carries. And then they abandoned the run. They, they just seem to throw the offense on autopilot at times. Uh, you know, they, they had three, three and outs late in this game. And these were all, all right, if they get a score here, this game's over. You know, even a field goal at that point with, with right. how well the defense was playing at the time, you felt like just one score was all they needed on all three of those three and outs. They began, with a first down run that went for two or three yards and then two incomplete passes on second and third down. I mean, it's, it was such a predictable script. I think the Browns knew it was coming. Uh, Cleveland did a fantastic job getting to Tom Brady late in this game, took three sacks. All three were huge. Miles Garrett uh, was all yep. over him. Jadavian Clowney had a big one on a third down late in the game. I mean, I, I don't know if, with Tampa, if it's, you know, playing in that division, you just don't feel the sense of urgency. You know, obviously they're, they're not thrilled with how they're playing, but it, it just doesn't feel like this team should be, sitting in first place and still very much in firm control 
of their own destiny. I mean, they're five and six at this point. This is not a good team. This is not an above average football team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I won't say any much about Jacoby Brissett because it's Deshaun Watson this week and his return against Houston. Uh, so I wonder what that does for, you know, how, how much he lifts everyone. He was an elevator before, as Alan Soslowski likes to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if, if that's the case going forward. David Njoku with just like the game-saving, incredible fourth down catch. Uh, he didn't do much before that, but, you know, he showed he's capable of that. Mari Cooper didn't have much of a game until that 45-yard play at the end. He had dropped mm-hmm. a bad drop on fourth Huge down drop. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it looked like a potential game losing drop right. at that point. Um, and yeah, like you said, rebounded well. Uh, I, the Buccaneers had their chances, you know, and it, it just felt like, I mean, by the time Cleveland got the ball back for their final possession, you knew Tampa wasn't getting it back. So it, it yep. felt like, all right, we either, we're either getting a stop here or we're ending in a tie. And look, I, I don't think Tampa Bay gave up really bizarre play by Carlton Davis, where it looked like it was almost like an NBA player trying to take a charge. And yeah. he just, you know, kind of went for the the drawing, the push off penalty, did not get it. That was a horrific decision by him uh, and essentially, you know, ended it right there. And yeah, man, I, I don't have much else to say about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think this is who they are. And yet I still would pick them to win this division. Yeah, they're still in first place. Mathematically, yeah. they're still the favorite. And I think talent wise, they're still the favorite. Yep. Big game on Monday night where they host the Saints. Uh, the, the awful, awful, terrible, no good Saints. Uh, I mean, they're, they're the Saints. I like the idea of the Saints. They should be better, but uh, they're not. They're just they become like the worst team to watch. They're just so boring. Yeah, they're they're rough. I mean, um, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at division odds real quick before we we move to uh, the the Saints. Buccaneers are minus four hundred to win this division. That is absurd right now i mean they're falcons plus 750 saints 10 to 1 panthers 16 to 1 minus 400 for this team i mean this is we we make fun of the afc south and rightfully so but the nfc south might be just as bad if not worse on the whole but uh talking saints they get blanked by the 49ers uh which by the way the 49ers have now pitched four straight second half shutouts they they are riding a six quarter scoreless streak by that defense i mean they are Every year, it feels like we go through this phase around this time of year where the, the Niners start getting healthy. Uh, obviously, they made some big trades this year. And, man, they are, they are that team that nobody wants to face right now. They are the, the trendy, are they actually the best team in the NFC uh, narrative that you're going to hear. I didn't think San Francisco played all that well in this no, game. You know, offensively, they didn't. No, yeah. not really. State's defense showed up. I mean, 29 carries for 96 yards on the ground for the 49ers. Um, you know, Jimmy G was okay. You know, had, had a big interception called back on a penalty. I want to say it was an offsides, uh, nearly a pick six. That would have changed the entire game. Uh, two huge fumbles by Alvin Kamara. Uh, you know, completely flipped the script on this one as well. Saints were, were about to make this a one-score game early in the fourth quarter. He fumbles like on the one-inch line, uh, kind of reaching out for a touchdown there. And oh. yeah, I mean, the, the Niners defense, can't say enough about that. Yeah, Although this is not a, a fantastic Saints offense by any means. But yeah, it was a... Uh, you know, last week it was the offense that showed up and, and kind of did what we expected against the Cardinals. But uh, I guess if there's one thing you can give the Saints some credit for, it is that the defense did show up here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was one of those not a whole lot of ha- whole lot happened in this game type of game. Uh, I, there was a sequence and, you know, kind of meaningless ultimately. But, like, they get like a, the Saints get a second and one around midfield. And what do they do? Just boring run up the middle stuff boring run up the middle barely get the first down you know second and one is like time for a shot play it's a chance to get chunk yards you know you can run any play in the book 
and they're just doing this conservative thing and they're down 13, nothing or 10, nothing at the time. I forget which, uh, if it was before or after the field goal, but just like, ah, try something, do something. They had, they did try a few shots to Olave. There was the really bad overturn. I thought on that one catch by Olave, I still think it's a catch. I, I don't understand how it wasn't a catch, but I thought so too. Yeah. Um, I may be predisposed to thinking that because I have lots and lots and lots of Olave, and I think he's very good at football. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, they, they couldn't get anything going on the ground, nothing on the ground. Uh, 22 carries 63 yards. Maybe after the first 12, maybe stop doing that so much. We talked, we complained about the bucks, not running enough. The, the saints ran it too few times. Uh, yeah, just, and meanwhile, the Niners, they, they scuffled. They had that fourth down play where Garoppolo said, Okay, I've got Ayuk, I've got Kittle, I've got, you know, I think McCaffrey and Debo weren't on the field for that play, uh, but I'm going to pull it down and run. No, don't do that. Don't do that. It got, as soon as he did that, it was like, okay, this is screwed. Uh, Elijah Mitchell got hurt in this one. Something to watch for there. They got some Jordan Mason late in this one, see what happens there. But McCaffrey couldn't get untracked. Uh, just awful game for him, actually. 11 for 32 and 4 for 17 yeah. in the air. Uh, this is not what you paid for. No, 49ers, by the way, quietly 25th in rushing EPA on the season. And certainly this game uh, did not help. I mean, the, the highs are still there, very much yep. so. Um, I, I don't think anyone views this as a, a bad rushing offense. But yeah, a lot of the advanced numbers show that you know they have underachieved a little bit in that regard. I mean, it, it, when the defense is playing that well, uh, it doesn't really seem to matter. But uh, you know, in terms of yard per attempt, they're 17th. In terms of total yards, they're 15th. Um, obviously they're, they're way up there in terms of attempts, uh, you know, touchdowns, they're middle of the road as well. So it does still feel like, well, the pieces are in place, like the numbers for, for, for that rushing game really have not been all that impressive. But again, when the defense is playing on this level, uh, you don't really have too many things to worry about. Saints are, are dead in the water seemingly at this point. I mean, Tampa Bay continue, continues to keep them in the mix in this division. I mean, they, they could convince themselves that they still have a chance here. Uh, to, to, to somehow steal this division, despite the fact that they've lost eight of their last 10 games. Uh, they finish, they get the Buccaneers next week, then the Falcons, then the Browns, then the Eagles, and then the Panthers. So, you know, a lot of division not an games easy there. schedule, but yeah. yeah, right. I mean, there, there are major opportunities there. If you find a way to go into Tampa and win that game next week, suddenly things could get pretty interesting. They're, they're four and eight. The Bucks are five and six. I mean, it's still, still doable, still possible. Um, it, it's, it's crazy. McCaffrey dealt with some knee, knee soreness. Uh, we think that Elijah Mitchell sprained his other MCL. Uh, and Spencer Buford, the starting off, uh, starting guard, got hurt. Uh, was seen in a walking boot afterwards. So Jimmy Garoppolo is dealing with a sore knee. This is injuries have been a, a big part of the Niners' story all season long, and it continues here. Yeah, it took a hit to that knee initially. I mean, looked like it could have been a, a scary situation. You, know, you could hear him kind of audibly, you know, kind of uh, groaning in pain. On the telecast, you know, it looks like he's avoided anything major there, but certainly something to watch uh, in the short term. I mean, I, who, who's even their backup quarterback at this point? It is Brock Purdy. Brock yeah. Purdy uh, would, would be on in relief uh, if, if JBG were to, to miss any time, but I don't think uh, that that's going to be the scenario that unfolds. You mentioned Debo Samuel briefly. I mean, did very little in this game. Uh, did not have a catch. Uh, had two carries for no yards, so you, you basically took a zero. If you started Debo Samuel uh, in fantasy this week, that was disappointing. Uh, yep. Like you mentioned, McCaffrey, not a big game for him as well. Yeah, I went and checked. I'm like, you know, kind of going in and out of this game. I'm like, was Debo injured? Was he was he on the sideline? Played 54 snaps, ran 35 routes, just 
wasn't really in the mix. Did have five targets, but uh, again, did not have a single catch. Yeah, he he had a couple of runs. He got banged up on one of them a little bit. He was out of the game for that goal line sequence, the the Jimmy G scramble play. Uh, so something there, and he was hurt in practice all week too. So something yeah. to, to keep an eye on there to see if there's any big problems as far as that goes. Uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, this is it's it's uh, we'll see with them. Uh, big game against Miami coming up here. And it's turning out to be a grudge match, too. A lot of talking yeah. back and forth already, which is weird. Uh, but uh, let's talk a little Miami. They they jumped all over the Texans early, 30 to nothing, put the game in the fridge. And they, they, they basically did nothing in the second half. Tua was getting hit. Like, he got sacked four times after uh, they lost their left tackle, Taron Armstead. So uh, they kind of took him out of the mix after that. They didn't get the ground game going. Here's the thing. A lot of teams have been running a lot against the Texans. They're getting increasingly, you know, decreasing returns on that. I, Washington ran it 40 times. It was just kind of meh last week. But that's all you need to beat them, it seems like, too. Uh, Jeff Wilson, we were thinking they had this big game. He did score, but he's 13 for 39. And he only had one catch. So kind of a disappointing game for him, all things considered, especially when you knew you didn't have Raheem Mostert in this game. Yeah, I thought this was a great, great spot for Jeff Wilson. Um, you know, and the script in a lot of ways played out, right? You're thinking, all right, Miami's going to get out to this huge lead. All they're going to do is run the ball in the second half, and they tried to do that, but didn't really have any success. Uh, it was it was really strange. And uh, you know, I, I think the term "literally" is often overused uh, when we're talking football <laughs> analysis. But you said the Dolphins did literally nothing after halftime, and that that is true. I mean, they scored all 30 of their points before the half. Tua was out of this game with about three minutes left in the third quarter. And I think they maybe Mike McDaniel won't admit it, but I think they've maybe regretted that decision because for a while there, uh, you know, if this if this defense didn't step up with a couple of big plays in the second half, I think they were going to be forced to put Tua back into this game, which is just something you don't want to do for continuity reasons. You right. know, once you pull a quarterback, you, you kind of get out of it. And you're like, all right, my day is done. The last thing you're expecting is to have to be tossed back in there in the middle of the fourth quarter. But it got it got much closer, I think, than the Dolphins expected. I, I think they thought they would continue to at least be able to drive down the field and get and get field goals. That was not the case whatsoever with Skylar Thompson, who was very limited in this game. He only attempted five passes, completed one of those. But yeah, you got to give credit to the Houston run defense. I mean, 26 carries for 66 yards for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, decent day for Hill and Waddle. But I, I think when you're looking at a game against the Texans where you score 30 points in the first half, you come away a little bit disappointed fantasy-wise. Yeah, and I think the total on uh the, the the implied total or the the side total bet was 30 and a half for miami too so that's a pretty cruel bad beat there greg ambrosius was mm -hmm. tweeting about that taron armstead we got to watch that uh that that injury that's a big one uh he had a, a biceps injury uh after the game they kind of said okay it's not that bad but i don't know man that he's there he's their big left tackle without him they were uh, pectoral strain not biceps but uh strain pectoral um, I, you know, I saw a report on Twitter last night saying that they downplayed that a little bit, but if he doesn't play, I mean, Nick Bosa could go pretty wild against them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a big loss. And like you said, I think most of the reaction was, Oh, thank goodness that it's not a torn pack, which it, you know, that's an automatic season ender. We, we usually see one or two of those per year. And I mean, that's, that's a, about as bad of an injury as you can have as a lineman. Um, so I, I think there's a sense of relief, certainly that Teron Armstead will be back at some point, but yeah, it seems very, very unlikely that, that he'll be available 
uh, against the 49ers next week. And, uh, you know, this is a a perfect matchup in in a lot of ways, right? I mean, the Dolphins are maybe the hottest offense in the league. This game, notwithstanding, you know, maybe it didn't go quite as smoothly for four quarters as Miami expected. But that offense against the San Francisco defense that feels like at this very moment, it is absolutely the best in the league. Um, I mean, this has, like we said, it has game of the year potential for sure. And I think it's going to be very, very tough for anything to top Buffalo, Minnesota, but uh, I I can't wait to break this one down uh, all week heading into next Sunday. Yeah. Well, Buffalo, Minnesota was entertaining. I don't think it was the best played game that, you know, know, the the quarterback sneak snap for a Minnesota touchdown fumble play. I mean, that just cannot happen. Throwing in the end zone and the interception twice in a row by, you know, there was a lot of turnovers in that game. So there was a lot, it was some sloppiness. I mean, the receivers Diggs, Diggs and Jeff uh, Jefferson. I mean, that was game of the year, but the, thought there was some other stuff that was kind of like, eh, maybe not. But anyways, I'm, I'm nitpicking here. Uh, so we'll move on. Anyways, uh, moving on to Houston. Let's talk about them briefly. Um, another disaster game for Damian Pierce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like, as you alluded to at the top, when we started talking about this game, like the, the Texans overall incompetence, it feels like it's starting to poison Damian Pierce and, and he yeah. cannot escape it. Uh, you know, we, we haven't even talked about the, the move from, uh, Davis mills to Kyle Allen did not matter at all nope. in this game. I mean, Kyle Allen basically just did a, a Davis mills impression for most of the afternoon, uh, had, had a bad pick that essentially ended any hopes of Houston, uh, sneaking back into this game or, or covering with a number that I think we had at 13 and a half. Uh, obviously they end up losing by 15. The overall numbers for Allen weren't terrible, you know, 26 to 39, Four two fifteen, but again, a lot of that, you know, this was a garbage time game for for seventy percent of the day for Houston and uh, Damian Pierce. Five carries only in a game that that clearly got away from Houston early on. I mean, yeah. he has fifteen carries for sixteen yards over the last two weeks, Jeff. I mean, I, I think we're reaching the point. You know, bye weeks are going to be in play more so next week uh, than in week thirteen. Right, but we're reaching the point where I, I mean, you could still start him, but you're not confidently starting him. I mean, he gets Cleveland this week. You think that, okay, if you can run against anybody, it's Cleveland. Cleveland and yep. Chicago are like the two matchups I'm like thirsting for right now. Uh, they've already played Chicago, so that they, you don't get that one back. But they get Cleveland this week. This is like, I think Pierce is great, but I think he's just getting dragged down by the team context there. And just five yep. carries. I mean, the, the Dari Ogubinwale touchdown late was a nice little just stick to the ribs there. Like, come on. Really? You had to do that to us? Uh, and, and that that's Wisconsin Badger Daria Gumbawale. So I, yes. I was okay with it personally, but yeah, sure. I think the rest of the country probably not so much. Yeah. Uh, well, again, that helps everyone but you. Uh, it's exactly uh, push back against the help no one crowd. Uh, before we move on to the next game, uh, let's share a new new sponsor, our friends at Picket. Picket is a social bet tracking app that takes out all the hassle of tracking your bets and performance over time. Picket connects to every major U.S. sportsbook like DraftKings and FanDuel, others, and DFS pick'em provider like Prize Picks or Underdog or Thrive and more. Um, once you hook up all your sportsbooks, uh, Picket pick does the heavy lifting to slice and dice your betting data. You'll get historical PL graphs, breakdowns by team, sport, player, bet type, and more. You can also line shop for the best odds across your linked sportsbooks to make sure you're getting the most bang for your buck. When your bets are live, you can track the scores and stats of the games you bet on, as well as get player prop updates from most player prop markets. No more switching between your sportsbook app and different score apps. 
By far the biggest differentiator is that Pickett sinks history in bets from all legal legal major sports books. There is no manual entry required to track your bets. Once you have your accounts linked, it's effortless from there. The social feed and community is what turns Pickett from just a bet tracking app to a home for betting where you can learn from others and see what others are doing and find verified content to inform your betting decisions. Visit Pickett.com. That's P-I-K-K-I-T.com to download the Pickett app today. Nick, you can go drive over the Illinois border and do that there oh, with yeah. all your when every time you go there and then track it when you go back home. So I like that for you. Oh yeah, uh, that's a well-worn path for me. I'll, yes. I'll tell you that. And, and look, the I got got to tip my cap to the location detection technology because it is instantaneous. Like the second you cross yep. that border, everything lights up. You know, the, the sportsbook app is humming. <laughs> uh, I love it. So yeah, I've, I've been making uh, more pilgrimages than I expected uh, this season, but. Always a lot of fun. And it's just close enough that I could justify it. And I can't yet. It's a three and a half hour drive to Nevada, three hour drive to the Nevada border. And just to be in the middle of nowhere, just to Uh, do those. I mean, if if I could be doing something else there, then be worth it there. I might as well just go to Vegas. So thanks, California. I mean, Prop 27 failed miserably. So I guess I won't be betting anytime soon. Uh, but I can do uh prize picks. I can do that. I got, I think I can oh, yeah. do thrive also. So there are, there are outlets for me, just not as many as I'd like. All right. Atlanta, Washington. What a segue. What a game. Not really. Uh, Atlanta. I mean, they did their thing. Marietta had, threw it 25 times, but they ran it for 167 yards. Of course, one time they trust Marietta to throw, he throws the killer, killer interception mm-hmm. on that tip ball. I mean, it's such an Atlanta way to lose a game. And they were running the ball so well on that drive and had plenty of time. This was not one of those situations where there's eight seconds left and, you know, you can't risk running it because you don't have timeouts. Like there was well over a minute left. Uh, You know, they're just gashing that commander's defensive line. That was impressive all afternoon. You know, Tyler Algier, uh, you know, just kind of plowing his way through and, you know, they they had converted a couple third downs on that last drive, including a big third and one just before that. So you're thinking, all right, they're just going to keep pounding it here. You know, Washington had just burned its final timeout and, Instead, like you said, tipped and picked uh, just a, a way that only the Falcons or the Chargers, I, I think they're the other team that could find a way uh, to lose a game like this. But uh, you know, a big, a big uh, aversion of a letdown by the commanders at home here. I think the rain uh, you know, was coming down that, that maybe played a little bit of a factor uh, in Washington being a little bit sloppy in this game. But yeah. the number one guy I was impressed with, Brian Robinson, you know, kind of yes. got off to a little bit of a slow start after coming back. Like this was the Brian Robinson that we saw in the preseason I mean, running guys over second effort. Uh, you know, he goes 18 for one Oh five, uh, really without, without any true long runs. He had one twenty-one yarder, but other than that, it was hard earned yards all afternoon was not a big day for Terry McLaurin, but it was not a big day for, for anyone else. You know, Jahan Dotson goes catchless. Uh, you know, Curtis Samuel had a couple of carries didn't really do anything as a receiver. I mean, this was a really, really ugly game, but that's what the commanders do. They, they find ways to win these ugly games and they have now won six, out of seven heading into back-to-back matchups now in the division against the New York Giants. Yep. There is some pushback and maybe justified about, uh, you know, okay, Taylor Heineke, you know, what is he, how is he so much better than Zach Wilson? Um, and because Zach Wilson was winning most of the time, but just doing it in an ugly fashion. But the difference is we saw what Carson Wentz did as the starter of the commanders and Heineke is clearly a step up from that. He may not be good, but he's a step up from that. He is. He is. And he, there's something about him that inspires confidence, even as he 
is prone to playing reckless football. You know, he had a bad yeah. interception in this game that that put Washington in a bad spot. Uh, you know, near the end of the the, the first half, uh, you know, Young Way Koo unable to convert a long field goal and, and really make the the Commanders pay for that mistake. But yeah, a lot of the numbers, like you said, the numbers don't imply that Taylor Heineke is having like this magical breakout season by any means. But I, I think the guys like him, you know, and there's it's a tough way to you can't really quantify that, you know, like Carson Wentz had a couple of nice games early on, led that big comeback against the Jags in week one, you know, and, and, but there's just something about him that even though some of the numbers say he's the more effective passer, nothing about the way Carson Wentz plays inspires confidence and Taylor Heineke complete opposite. I mean, the, the, the touchdown throw that he had to John Bates late in this game, I believe that was the go ahead score. I mean, that was yeah. just a, a, a gritty, you know, play through the rain, sliding catch by Bates. Like I, there's there, there is something unquantifiable uh, about Heineke. It's, it's like a, a very, very light version of like Brett Favre. Yep. Yep. Uh, agreed. Uh, you, you mentioned John Bates and Nicole Pruitt are touchdown scores in addition to Robinson. Uh, Atlanta hosts Pittsburgh this week and Washington goes G-men by G-men. So kind of a weird schedule for them coming up there. We had that last year. There was a, I think it was Baltimore and Cleveland played each other, had the same thing where they play each other in back-to-back games, sandwiching a bye week there. So the schedule's getting a little weird as far as that goes. You would like, you would like to see a little bit of uh, differentiation, I guess, in schedule. At least I would. Anyways. I agree. Yeah. I mean, at least you have the bye week separating it, but still very strange. Yeah. All right. Let's go into the afternoon slate. Uh, Chargers, Cardinals. This was fun. Uh you talked about teams that are find a way to lose. The Cardinals have to be included in that class now too. They, they've they've done this multiple times this season, and they head into their bye. I I, I half expect Cliff Kingsbury to get fired today. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's it's amazing that the Cardinals found a way to do this against the Chargers, right? I mean it's it's yeah. almost always the Chargers that find themselves on the opposite end of these games. But man, Justin Herbert, big time drive uh, to to go down and, and tie this game. And, you know, I, I guess they, they bypassed the opportunity to tie it, went for the two. Uh, you know, we had the Chargers and the Jags basically doing the exact same thing uh, yep. twice this week. And the first time ever I read that, that it's worked for two teams in the same week to go for two uh, in essentially a walk-off situation. Uh, yeah, we saw the frustration from Kyler Murray after the game. You know, there, there's a key fourth down uh, where I believe he ended up throwing a pick. And he basically said, yeah, we were, we were out-schemed. You know, what, the play that we drew up was not there. And all I had to do was just kind of throw it up and hope that DeAndre Hopkins could bring it down. He did not. Uh, Hopkins continues to look fantastic for fantasy. I mean, uh, kind of a missed opportunity for me. I I did not have him anywhere. I did not want to deal with waiting for the suspension, with kind of wondered what he'd look like coming back. I mean, he has been phenomenal since coming back from that suspension. So if you did make that investment and you did wait, it's certainly paying off. Uh, Austin Eckler remains the number one running back in PPR. Uh, although Josh Jacobs, who we'll get to in a little bit, has, has uh, say, eclipsed yeah. Eckler in both standard and half PPR leagues, but Eckler still clinging to the overall fantasy lead uh, in PPR. Just another classic Austin Eckler game. Five carries, 20 yards on the ground, 11 catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. Yep. Not very efficient. You know, only five and a half no. yards per target this time, but, uh, you know, hey, or per catch, excuse me, four yards per target, 15 targets on the day. Uh, that was kind of a theme. The pass rush was really getting to Herbert. He had to check down a lot. He had sacked four times. Uh, th- th- they do have a problem. No Rashawn Slater. And, you know, that that matters. You know, he doesn't have his starting left tackle. Corey Lindsay, their cent- Lindsay got hurt. Their starting center suffered a concussion this game. That could be a big deal in this upcoming week for them as well. 
Uh, they get a game at the Raiders, and you know, this is you know, pretty big for them. You mentioned Hopkins. I have zero Hopkins also. He's my second biggest miss of the season, Josh Jacobs being my first. Uh, yep. James Conner had a killer fumble early, but then it ended up going 25 for 120. Also had three catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. This is the James Conner we saw last year. Yeah, had that killer fumble, and the Chargers immediately went three and out and punted, you know, basically from midfield. So it didn't really even cost the Cardinals. I guess it wasn't that, that killer, yeah. Yeah, right. And, you know, but yeah, like you said, Connor's starting to round into form. He's looking a lot more elusive than he was earlier in the season. Uh, you know, DeAndre Carter looked good for the Chargers. He goes seven for 73 and a touchdown. Keenan Allen uh, had a score in this game, a big one in the second half. Uh, no Mike Williams, of course, for the Chargers, who they're sitting at six and five. Uh, to me, they, they still feel like a better team. Obviously, back to back losses against the 49ers and the Chiefs, both of those being close games the previous two weeks. They, they should be in a good spot against the Raiders, although yeah, we'll, we'll get to them. I mean, they, they completely spoiled my, my best bet this week. I love Seattle yeah. in that game. I did not see the Seahawks giving up 580 yards of total offense to the Las Vegas Raiders. That running game is rolling. But after that, we get a Chargers-Dolphins showdown in Week 14. They get the Titans, the Colts, uh, the Rams, and the Broncos to finish out. So, you know, those, those Dolphins-Titans games also be tough. But uh, if you're the Chargers, you got to like your odds finishing out with the Colts, Rams, and Broncos the final three weeks of the regular season. Yeah, they could, they could finish strong for sure. Uh, so big road game at Vegas. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Raiders let's, let's, let's jump right into them there. Wild game. I mean, just the, 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 the Raiders are playing dial my number here. And I almost feel like they should have scored more than they did. They scored 40. They had the, you know, the, the, the big run by Jacobs at the end and yeah, yeah, that just put a nice little punctuation, uh, you know, exclamation point on my t- complete and total utter failure this year. I it's not just that I don't it's not I merely don't have Jacobs. It's that I faded him. I told people to fade him. I stayed away Same from here. him. I said it was I advocated against him. Uh aggressively wrong and I hate that. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Uh, we, I'm sure X, SXM has the tapes somewhere of us saying, yeah, oh, we, yeah. We, were, we were wondering if Josh Jacobs would even be on this roster for a while. Uh, and to be fair, all the, all the indications were pointing that way. You know, I, I didn't even consider taking Josh Jacobs at any point. I mean, I, I thought this was, I thought he would, it would kind of be like a Cam Akers type of situation. And yeah. if, if you burned a pick on him, you were just, you weren't getting anything. And yeah, not only it'd be one thing if he was just having like a nice year and he's just like a, an every week starter, it's like, he might be the best fantasy back in the league right now. Uh, I mean, 33 for 229 and two scores in this one. Obviously, that 86-yarder at the end of the game doing a lot of work there. But he was having a fantastic day even before that. Uh, you know, six for 74 through the air on seven targets. Yes. Like that's that's been something like that. That's been a big addition to his game this season. Is you know being a volume pass catcher. We saw it last week as well. Um, I I just I, I'm completely lost when it comes to this Raiders team. I have not been burned more by any individual team this year, whether we're talking fantasy, whether we're talking ATS picks for the site. I thought this was a great, great spot for Seattle coming in off the bye, big bounce back spot. You know, some people back on the Raiders after they beat the Broncos. I just, I I cannot believe how far the Seattle defense seems to have fallen. Um, You know, all the indications mid season was they were rounding into form and the two back-to-back major, major letdowns against Tampa Bay and the Raiders. Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I, I think that uh, people maybe, okay, you know, Geno Smith was this nice story. He's fun. And he actually still had a pretty big day, 328 passing yards, two touchdowns. I think teams are kind of like approaching this, like, okay, we'll be ready for you now. You, there was a, you were a fun little story. 
now let's see if you can beat our best. Now it's weird to say that with the Raiders, but because you know there really there wasn't a whole lot of best. But the Raiders, I'll say this: they stopped the run yesterday. You know, Kenneth they Walker did. got the two touchdowns, but is fourteen for twenty six. Um, he he really had a hard time getting on track. Uh, they they wanted to say, okay, we're going to make Gino beat us. Gino threw the pick. He got sacked three times. You uh, did have two touchdown passes though. DK Metcalf went nuts. Uh, Lockett had the touchdown, but only three catches. And you know they they kind of just they they bottled up Kenneth Walker for the most part. It's weird to say for a guy that scored two touchdowns, but they bottled him up. Yeah, they really did. And he, he's kind of going through his own version of the Damian Pierce treatment these last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. We twenty four carries for forty three yards yep. against Tampa at Vegas. And I mean this this Raiders defensive line came to play. Uh, Max Crosby was amazing. Yeah. Uh, all afternoon. Gino only took three sacks, uh, but he was under a lot more pressure throughout the day. Lost a really bad fumble, kind of reminiscent of the one uh, that he lost in Germany against yeah. Tampa. That was when it was a tie game uh, early in the fourth quarter. That was deep in Raiders territory. Um, yeah, it, Like you said, overall, Gino did play well. I mean, had the pick, had the fumble. Those felt uh, like really big plays at the time. But at the end of the day, if you told Seattle, look, you're at home, you're going to put up 34 points in regulation. Do you think you win this game? You would say, yes, of course. Uh, you, you don't expect to be given up that kind of yardage and those kind of points to a Raiders team where Derek Carr threw an interception on the first play of the game and yeah. threw another in two drives later. Like it, you know, they were trying to hand Seattle, uh, a, you know, kind of a, a nice early start and the Seahawks politely declined to take advantage of that. And it, it came back to bite them. Did you see the, uh, on Twitter, it's going around right now where on one of the interceptions, a Seattle player came off the bench to block. So they had 12 people on the field. He, he just couldn't help himself. Yeah. He was so excited. I, I think he, I think he initially thought like the play must've been over and then he's like, right. well, I'm already out there. Might as well throw a block. <laughs> I don't think it was flagged either. Right? No, it's just one of those things that happened. Oh, it's oh, beautiful. So uh, Seattle faces the Rams next week. We'll talk about them momentarily. Before we do that, though, let's talk to uh, uh, Sheriff. One last note from our friends at Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight, and with all the action, the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that, too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fancy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com, and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. So Seattle faces the Rams, goes to LA to face them. We don't know who they're going to be facing at quarterback or a lot of other positions as well. This is this is a tough watch now. Uh, we saw Bryce, Bryce Perkins get the start against the Chiefs. Chiefs got like the most pedestrian of covers in this one here. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was I was really rooting for the Chiefs to go for it and miss on fourth down late, so that way we could get the cover when it was thirteen to ten. I I, I had a lot of near misses in, in staff picks this week, and this is one of them. Yeah, I I saw you tweeting about it. I, I was on the other end of this one, so we were kind of rooting for for opposite outcomes. Right. Although I went zero for three on Thanksgiving Day, so I came into Sunday already licking my wounds, uh, sure. losing some of those. But yeah, I mean the Chiefs. I think if you go back and replay some of the the possessions that they had in the second half, like almost always this game finishes with the chiefs having like 38 points and you know, Mahomes throws a pick in the end zone. They, they have to settle for two field goals yep. late. They, they had another 13 play drive and a 12 play drive ended field goals. Uh, you know, in the first half they, they just, you know, they, they had the early touchdown to Travis Kelsey. And then other than that, uh, it was just a, a kind of a classic sleepwalking type of game. For the Chiefs, it, it hit the hallmark of Sky Moore muffing a punt. We've seen that a couple times yes. this year. Uh, you go back to the Indianapolis game, it felt like that one uh, kind of set in motion a, a lackadaisical performance 
for the Chiefs. But I thought all things considered, the Rams defense played fairly well. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs ran the ball 30 times for only 117 yards. It felt like Pacheco had like seven runs where he was one tackle away from breaking a long one, but never right. really did that. Had a long rush of only nine yards on 22 carries. Still love the way he runs. I mean, he just really gets after it, keeps the legs going. Um, I'm shocked that Mahomes threw the ball 42 times in this game. I, I don't think that was the plan. And, and no. you can tell Andy, Andy Reid, you know, usually after a win, he's, he's pretty, uh, you know, happy go lucky. He was not after this one. I, I think he was a little uh, perturbed. We'll say by, by the, the chiefs execution on offense. This was a classic look ahead game though. It really was. They had the Sunday night road game against the chargers, with the big comeback win, huge win. They, they basically locked up to the division by winning that game. They go to Cincinnati next week. We talked about that. I mean, can't be at 180, you know, 180 amps or whatever. I'm not, I'm making up. I don't even know how many amps is good. I was trying to say amped up and and try to do over a hundred percent. So just don't, don't do that. Uh, You can't be at full capacity every single week. Uh, It's hard to, I mean, it's, it's really difficult to emotionally just, this was a game where it was, it's a clear look ahead and they got through it. I think that's all there is to it there. And, now they got a big game coming up on the road in Cincy, a revenge game for them. They lost twice to the Bengals last year. So you know that they want to be able to uh, be, be able to kind of come up big. So we'll, I, I think you can kind of overlook the, the downside of this game and think that they're going to still be pretty strong. I think so too. Like you said, classic look ahead game, classic letdown game. Uh, you're, you're, I think once Matthew Stafford was ruled out, I think that put this in letdown game uh, watch territory and, you know, Bryce Perkins, I, do you really have any notes on him? I mean, it was it was not a great day throwing the ball uh, for Bryce Perkins. Did have a touchdown yeah. uh, to Van Jefferson, uh, but you know, for the most part, struggled at back-to-back picks in the second half. That really helped deliver that cover for the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I thought, you know, as a runner, he had a couple big third downs that he converted. You know, nine for forty-four sure. on the ground. That's that's obviously something that Matthew Stafford does not offer whatsoever, but. Uh, there was not a whole lot for Bryce Perkins here for, for me to say like, well, you know, maybe once Matthew Stafford moves on, he could be the guy. I, I, I don't I don't really see that being the case, but we, we might get an extended look at him over these next few weeks. I mean, not only is Cooper Cup out, we have no idea what's up with Matthew Stafford. Allen Robinson now uh, set for season ending surgery. So uh, the hits continue to come for that Rams offense. I think we'll see Perkins and Wolford the rest of the way. I think so too. Uh, and I think neither is something to build off of. This is a get through the season sort of scenario here. The worst part for the Rams too, is they're going to have this disaster season. And then it's going to be a high draft pick that they won't have. It's going to the lions for the Jerry cough deal. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing that and kind of a similar situation with Denver too. I mean, there, there might be two teams picking in the top five uh, that, that end up handing over their picks. Uh, something you see a little more often in the NBA, uh, you know, I mean, the Rams are yeah. they're home for Seattle next week. They get the Raiders. They're at the Packers circle. This one on the calendar, Jeff Rams Broncos Christmas day, mid afternoon. What a present. I, I, I will. That will be the time. Hey, let's do our presents now. Yeah, yeah. please. Like get out of the house. Go for, a I will walk, watch the condensed version anything. later. Thank you. Yes, that is, that is awful. Awful. That, that, I mean, it could get to the point though, where it might be so bad that it'll be fun to watch. Like the Broncos for me have reached that territory. The Rams are more in like sad territory right now, but uh, you know, a few, uh, you know, another month from now uh, that they could creep closer to the Broncos. So uh, I'll, I'll be watching it. I'm not going to feel good about it. I'll be interested to see what the total ends up being for that game. If we have a look ahead total, it's got to be like 27. <laughs> you know, what type of bad football do you prefer? I prefer like my bad football teams to be like, can't stop anybody, but at least yeah. have some offensive upside lions. Give me the lions. I watch them all the time, man. 
Broncos, the Rams, I just, they're boring. I don't want to, the Saints, I'll throw them into that mix. Uh, I don't want to watch them. I just don't. Yeah. If, if, if you're going to be low scoring, there needs to be some like real disaster potential. And that's, what's been frustrating about the Broncos. It's like, yeah, Russell Wilson has turned it over, but he's not, it's not like he's making these reckless plays. Like they're, they're so wildly conservative that it, it is soul crushing to watch. Like there's, there's nothing exciting happening in those games. And I think you could argue that, you know, that this Raider Seahawks game, 74 points were scored. There was not a lot of great football being played. It was a, a lot of defensive letdowns more than anything else. I mean, you, you don't get to 576 yards on offense uh, when the other the other defense is playing well. I mean, Seattle was just woefully underprepared for this game. Which was wild coming out of the bye like that, too. You would think? But what, one other comment about Raiders and uh, the Raiders-Seattle game, and I, I tweeted about this. So you, I don't know if you saw it, but you know, I'm watching the Grid Channel on you know, DirecTV, you know, the, uh, on the Sunday ticket package that I have. And I swear, it's like WandaVision. It looks like it's in black and white with little splotches of color here and there when things go wrong. Whereas the other three games are these bright red and yellow and other all these other colors. But you got the turf in Seattle looks kind of grayish. Yeah. You've got Why the is white. That? Yeah. It, it's just, it looks like it's just a, it's, it's broadcasting a different network or broadcasting a different camera or something like that. It's just, it, it's so wild. Every once in a while, they panned up to the stands and you can see the fans and their, their, their real colors and all that. And it's like, okay, yeah, that looks like it. But on the field, that long view, oh, it looked like it was just such a black and white sort of game. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the Raiders uniforms uh, you know, aren't doing a, a whole lot of help there. But yeah, the, right. the turf, for whatever reason, the turf in Seattle, at least in the feed that I was watching, was like 60% gray, 40% green. I, I don't know right. what's going on there, if right. that's like a, some sort of late season atmospheric thing or what. But uh, it, yeah, it was almost like they, they had put some sort of filter on the camera. I don't mind it. I don't mind a little visual variance, but yeah, the Raiders going with the white dominant jerseys uh, on a gray field was, it, it did kind of resemble like an early nineties broadcast. Yeah. That's, that's how I felt watching that game. All right. One last game, Eagles Packers, a lot of green in this one here. Kind of mentioned this at the top a little bit, but Hey, this was the Jordan love game at the end of the game. But before that it was, Hey, the Eagles are running. Hey, the Eagles are running. Oh, Hey, the Eagles are running again. 363 rushing yards in this game. Hertz goes for 157 himself, doesn't get in the end zone. Ah, it would have been nice to get one of those, especially that that sequence there. I think at the third touchdown where he got tackled near the goal line twice right. in a row. It's like, ugh, I knew it was. And then, of course, Sanders got the love at the end. Gainwell had a rushing touchdown. Miles Sanders, though, 21 for 143. Who cares if he doesn't catch passes? He went off. Yeah, the Green Bay rushing defense, I think, was the story in this one, especially with Hertz, who, I mean, did mo the vast majority of his work in the first half. Uh, yeah. Like you said, there that the second play where he was stopped at the goal line, I thought he was going to walk in. I, usually Jalen Hurts gets that angle, but it was a, a rare good tackle by the Green Bay defense in this game. 363 yards for Philly. That is the eighth most ever in NFL history in a game. The most since last year, the Baltimore Ravens ran for 404 yards on the Cincinnati Bengals. In week 17, um, I, I'm sure you remember that game uh, better than I do. I, I don't remember the best because or, the Bengals threw for like 800 against them. So it didn't matter. Yeah, um, that was I think a lot of that was late, but Bengals blew them out in that game. No, the, I, this was oh, maybe this was two seasons ago. I, I think I'm getting the years mixed up. It was yeah, January yeah, yeah. 3rd, 2021. This was the Brandon Allen game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Say no more. Yeah. That, yep. that, that year never happened. Um, that's fine. <laughs> um, that's why it's, it's buried. It's in the recesses of my memories, but yeah. Last night though, I mean, it, you know, Rogers made some plays early. Uh, yeah. he, and that, the, the touchdown throw to Aaron Jones was just a thing of beauty. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was a tough watch seeing like, okay, now he's hurt. He's gutting it out. He's obliquing it out as the case may be. Uh, it was, that was a tough watch. It was encouraging to see Jordan love look like a competent NFL quarterback. I don't know, you know, situationally, I mean, Philly was playing to prevent the win defense a little bit yeah. there. Uh, but still he connected on that wide open pass to Watson. Watson did the rest showed showed the capability that he has at least. Yeah. I, I think, you know, there was maybe a little bit of an overreaction to Jordan love making what was a, I thought a fairly routine throw. Uh, like you said, Philly playing pretty soft at that point, but this was the best that Jordan love has looked, which is maybe saying more about how uh, his other cameos have gone in yeah. the past. But I mean, for me, that was more about Christian Watson. It's like, when the, when's the last time the Packers have had a guy who can make that catch and go untouched 63 yards to the end. So, I mean, that was, that was an impressive play by Watson. Who's now up to six touchdowns over the last three weeks. Uh, he's seven to one Jeff to win rookie of the year at this point, which more so speaks to the rest of the field. I mean, it's, it's basically Watson, Wilson, Olave and Kenneth Walker is the favorite, but these last two weeks, I think have kind of reopened the field and reopened that debate. So somehow Christian Watson could actually end up, uh, you know, being a top three rookie of the year candidate, despite not really doing anything the entire first half of the season. Rogers had the two picks, you know, first one was, was a little rough. Second one, it, you know, if, if you're kind of reading online, there, there were some breakdowns that, you know, I think it was his tight end, uh, you know, needs to run that route a little more shallow kind of didn't, mm -hmm. didn't do a good job of cutting off the safety, but uh, nice play nonetheless, uh, but by, by that safety for the Philadelphia Blankenship, Eagles. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I remain convinced that Rodgers is is not really washed up. You know, you still see the highs. You mentioned that that touchdown throw to Aaron Jones. That was vintage Aaron Rodgers. Like, he does not look anything like late career Drew Brees, late career Phillip Rivers, late career Peyton Manning. Like, I, I don't really – I don't think he's entered that phase of his career. But I also think there's a chance that maybe we've seen him take his last snap of the season, depending on what goes on with this oblique injury. Obviously, he revealed this past week that he's dealing with a broken thumb. He did say post game that as long as they're mathematically alive, he's going to be out there. So I think chances are he, he does play at least one more week. But I think we're trending toward a future where Jordan Love probably starts multiple games at the end of the year. And then we now go into for the third straight year, this whirlwind of will he or won't he come back next season? Talking about Rodgers. Yep. Um, yeah, it was funny seeing how that was revealed with some make a wish person there. Uh, and it yeah. reveals it. And then it's so funny, like, you know, Rappaport was so quick to acknowledge that it was somebody else that broke it because it wasn't Glazer or, or you know, Schefter or anything like that. You know, it's yep. funny how they play that game, but it was also revealed as an avulsion fracture. There's also issues with the ligament and it just damages each other each time he throws. Basically, they have the buy in week 14. It seems like this would be a perfect week to just say, we're going to rest you this week. Come back yep. after the buy. They need to see Jordan Love play. They have to. They have to make this decision about okay are we just going to let him go or are we going to get you know get that fifth year i mean they, they yep. have to make this decision they need to be informed about it they got to play him some exactly and if there's a silver lining to this season just going completely haywire for green bay it's that i, I think they're now going to have that built-in opportunity right I, I don't think they yep. came into this season saying well hopefully we'll get four games or we can start jordan love at the end of the year uh no that was not the plan at all but i, I think there's a decent chance that we see rogers start this next game against the bears if you win, it, maybe it becomes a little more complicated depending on what else happens around the NFC in week 13. But uh, like you said, with that week 14 bye, I think the, the natural uh, progression here is that maybe we see Jordan Love come out of that bye. He starts against the Rams. Um, and like you said, you, you owe it to Jordan Love. You owe it to the organization to at least see what you have here. And 
it, it, it feels like a complete, uh, you know, incomplete grade so far on Jordan Love. I, I, I don't think that we've seen enough that you could say definitively one way or the other, whether or not you need to move on from this guy. It's going to be complicated no matter what, though, because ultimately this decision lies with Aaron Rodgers, right? If he, yeah. if he walks away this offseason, that makes everything significantly easier. If he says, I'm coming back, you know, not only do you have to kind of reset, get that roster built back up around Rodgers for what you think would be one more dance or whatever you want to the last dance for like the fourth time. Uh, but then, like you said, you need to make that long-term decision on Jordan love. I mean, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess that they created. Um, I, I think if, if they could do it over, they probably would have just never made the Jordan love pick and who knows how the course of, of recent history goes for the green Bay Packers. But at least you come out of last night feeling a little bit encouraged about Jordan love. And for the most part, that's not really something you could say over the last two years. Yeah. I'll be nice. I won't say who they should have taken in the Jordan Love spot, and we'll move on. Uh, not there. a certain Cincinnati Bengals receiver, right? Not a certain one there. Never okay. would have suggested that. Nope. Not, not never. Never came to me. Never thought about it there. Any other thoughts from Week Twelve before we sign off? <sighs> no, man. I, I just wish that the Jags had found another way, to, or had found one way to win against the Colts or the Texans, because I, I think things would be significantly more interesting for me the rest of the way. I, I, I think they they just kind of dug themselves too big of a hole, but at least I could sit back and be excited about watching yeah. this team. I, I no longer go into every game, just like extremely nervous. Like how are the Jags going to, to embarrass themselves uh, this week? Uh, they, they seem to have emerged from that. At least they're a competent organization. And look, I, I'm, I'm just excited for the rest of the season. It has, as always flown by all of a sudden it's week 13 and it feels like things are, are closing in on us, but Bengals are rolling. Uh, I think the, the AFC is going to be really fun. I, I kind of hope the dolphins, could keep this up, you know, be that kind of wild card team uh, that could make some noise in the playoffs, but we're set for a really fun finish and uh, going to be a sprint to the finish for the fantasy season as well. Yep. Fantasy playoffs coming up soon. So I love it. Love seeing it there. Scott won four grand playing in this high stakes leagues. Thanks to listening to us and among other things. So good on you, Scott. Love, love seeing that. That's awesome. All right, guys, good luck uh, tonight if you have any irons in the fire. And uh, we'll talk to you again next Monday. Catch us, of course, every uh, night on uh, SiriusXM Fantasy from 8 to 10 Eastern time. Uh, got Joe and Jake tomorrow with free agents. I'm going to have uh, Jeff Feinberg joining us on Wednesday. So excited about that as well. Thanks for listening. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.